think about all those sales reps across the world right now that are less than six months into their new job at their new company. And they're still trying to figure out what is the recipe for why people choose us. And they go on Slack or they go on whatever other tools and they're asking, hey, who's come up against this competitor? Who sold this product to this type of, has anybody sold into healthcare? Has anybody sold into a bank or whatever? And they're just fumbling, trying to find, has anybody seen any type of traction in the past for how we were successful here? There should be a system of record from your business of why you were successful there. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Andrew Peterson and Spencer Dent. They are the co-founders of Closed. And in our conversation, we're talking about the importance and the value that companies derive from doing effective win-loss analysis. We all, all of us as sellers, can use more data points to help us improve our ability to help our customers make decisions and to help us win more deals. And what better source of data can there be than talking to your buyers and prospective buyers about what you can do to create a better, more positive buying experience? We dig into how Closed conducts their win-loss analyses for its clients, the sources of information it taps into, and we explore some of the big takeaways that they've learned from the various win-loss analyses they perform to date for their clients. You want to stick around for this? We get into all this and much, much more. But before we get to Andrew and Spencer, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And I also want to remind you to check out my latest book, Sell Without Selling Out, A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms. It's a modern human-centric framework for increasing your win rates and shortening decision cycles without relying on the salesy behaviors that buyers really resist and really dislike. Books available everywhere you shop for books, online, and in stores. So thank you for that. All right, let's jump into it. Spencer, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks Andy. This is exciting. Oh, good. I'm glad you're here. So, um, you know, well, one of you start. Tell us, <laughs> tell us about yourself and about Closed and what you do. Oh, man. We're, we like finish each other's sentences. So I'll start and then you jump in. Uh, so I'm Spencer Dent. Andrew Peterson, and this is Andrew Peterson. We are the uh, co-founders of Closed. We've been doing this for about five years. Closed is the leading platform for win-loss analysis. So we help companies figure out why they win and lose. By uh, We have a solution that can plug into your CRM, pull your won and lost deals, run win rate analytics on those. But most importantly, and the main kind of reasons why clients love us is we can then go out and collect feedback from the buyers to help them understand why they are winning and losing. And then the platform can aggregate and distribute that feedback out to your team so that you can go take action on it. So I think our whole goal as a company is to help companies win more. That's what we do. Okay. Yeah. No, that's the, that's the <laughs> elevator pitch. You got yeah. it. Boom. <laughs> um, yeah, that's us. Well, so, but, well I was to ask, what was, what was the impetus to start the company? Yeah, that's a great question. I can take that one. So uh, Spencer and I connected when we were both working for a company here in Utah called Qualtrics. Um, Qualtrics was a company I joined in 2009 when we were, you know, roughly 50 employees. It was one of few, uh, you know, legitimate tech companies in Utah at the time. Since then, there's been uh, a proliferation of tech companies in Utah. Um, and so was fortunate to be a part of that, the early stage of Qualtrics. Spencer joined Qualtrics coming over from Bain & Company, where he was a consultant 
in their uh, like go-to-market Salesforce effectiveness practice and came mm-hmm. over to help Qualtrics uh, implement some rigor around sales strategy, analysis, operations, those sorts of things. Right. And as the company scaled and grew, we just got to a point, you know, we were 500 plus employees and the executive team was more and more distant from the end customer and <laughs> weren't in the sales trenches anymore. And right. there was a lot of debate and disagreement about why we were winning and losing deals. And we recognized that, man, there's there's a lot of stakeholders in our business that need this insight. You know, our marketing team needs it so they can hone messaging and optimize pricing. Our product team needs it so they can scope roadmap effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, our sales team absolutely needs it in order to train more effectively and give reps the, the playbook to win more. And our executive team needs it so they have strategic alignment about why the company's really winning and losing. And Qualtrics's category was growing more and more competitive. And so we needed that insight, but we didn't have it. Uh, it was mm-hmm. very anecdotal, uh, as it is for a lot of companies, um, based right. you know, in a very limited fashion on internal data in the CRM entered by sales reps or postmortems or discussions that were just happening around the water cooler with sales reps about, Hey, why do you think we're winning and losing deals? Right. Uh, and we right. came to realize that we need something more substantive. We need feedback from the actual decision makers at these one and lost accounts on why they're making the decisions that they're making. And that led us down a path of trying to implement something at Qualtrics and realizing that there needed to be a purpose-built solution for this. And we became passionate about it and decided to leave Qualtrics in 2017 to start close. Got it. Got it. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, definitely, definitely an area that needs attention in the B2B selling world. Um, because I think most companies said it's anecdotal when they think about why they won or lost. But I think even more deeply than that, when they do look at is they tend to look at things that are, and to my mind, tangential and, and superficial, as opposed to really understanding from the buyer's perspective, okay, what was this experience like dealing with you? Because it's it's easy to say, look, it's product, it's pricing, so on, but certainly let's just take the SaaS world. For instance, yeah, most SaaS categories, if there's two competitors, there's two dozen competitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> to remind yeah. the, the customer, hey, you're all alike. What's the difference? Well, the difference really comes down to the sales, you know, the buying experience with the sellers. Oh, yeah. Who asks that? Right. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, astonishing. it's astonishing how much we hear in the analysis we do for our clients about the impact of the sales experience. And right. so many companies underestimate that as far as what impact it's having. So many SaaS products, to your point, are really from the buyer's perspective at feature parity and a huge differentiator is the quality of the sales experience. And that comes up often. Yeah. Totally. yeah. And, and, to, yeah. And, and to that, to your point, right. Companies, they might say, Oh, we did great in the sales process or they might say, Oh, pricing or product, but you need to be precise about why you went and lose. So you actually know what to go do. And so, like, for example, sales, like, we could say, hey, we did it. You could have a buyer be like, you guys just sold really, really well, and that's why we chose you. Um, but what does that actually mean? Like, what exactly yeah. did we do? Did we demo the product more thoroughly? Did we listen better? Did we provide better case studies? Did we Were we more consultative and helpful through the process? Did we help them navigate their own organization in ways that they didn't actually understand 
how to navigate because they don't actually buy stuff very often. We sell stuff a lot, but they don't buy very often. There's lots exactly. of things that come up in these conversations and in, and in the surveys that we run uh, on behalf of our clients that help companies really under, understand precisely what's going wrong and what's going well so that they can go replicate the things that go right and address right. the things that go wrong. Okay. So I want to dive into the details of how you do that. So first of all, you, know, you talk about you, you pull data from Salesforce – other CRM systems besides Salesforce or just Salesforce? Yeah, we're a young company. You know, primarily we focused okay. on Salesforce. Salesforce. Um, okay. We serve a lot of enterprise software and SaaS clients, and they tend to be uh, the majority of them on right. Salesforce. So on Salesforce. We, okay. we aspire to direct integrations with other CRM systems, um, but for now we do, we have you know out of the box direct integration yeah. with That's Salesforce. Um, so what what are you pulling out of Salesforce? That's yeah you know, more automated, and then we'll get into what you do on a sort of curated yeah. basis. Talk players. Yeah. So so the essentially what we're pulling is just a list of closed out one and lost opportunities. Okay. Right? Just give us the list of here's who we went up against, and here's where we won. Here's where we where we lost. You know, and and with that, companies often like to provide to us metadata around the deals. Right. So don't just tell me. Hey, we lost a deal to you know what, or we, we lost a deal with company X that was ten thousand dollars. You know, we might want to know the industry, the lead source, the product that we were selling, the region that we were selling, and those types of things. And the reason why is later on, when you go to interpret it, the win loss feedback, that gives you context about why you might be mm-hmm. seeing trend in certain pockets of your business. But yeah, just think opportunity account level data. For wins, won, and lost opportunities. For any good win-loss analysis, you want to start with the baseline of what deals are we winning and losing? What does our win rate look like and how is that trending over time? And how are we performing in different key segments of our business, you know, by product line or customer segment or whatever it is? You know, that's the foundation and that foundation lives within the CRM. So we try to tap into that and pull that. There's varying degrees of, you know, CRM hygiene at different organizations. Right. Ultimately, to kick off the feedback process, we really only need the bare necessities of which opportunities have you won and lost and, you know, who are the primary contacts at those organizations. And then the the key to understanding why you won and lost those deals really lies in going out and proactively capturing feedback from those individuals at those accounts. And so how are you calculating win rate? Yeah, companies... You've probably seen this, Andy. Companies totally over overcomplicate that, right? They say, it, "Oh, in my mind, they win, do." Yeah, yeah. It, win, win rate and win rate is wins divided by wins plus losses, right? Like how it's it's that simple. Now, there's two ways to identify to maybe pivot on that. One is wins in terms of absolute number of opportunities. The other is in terms of absolute dollars. Those are two unique and important ways to look at it because you could have a relatively higher win rate on your at a dollar size and lower on an opportunity size, but that just means you're more effective on bigger deals and vice versa. But those are the two primary ways that we tend to calculate it. We, we try to advise our clients to be careful of making exceptions. Hey, we don't want to include deals that are in this bucket or that bucket or this product or whatever because they're, they're not representative of everything. And it's like, you know what? That's fine. What you should do is you should include them and then 
just use the ability in our platform to filter and show what it is without or with them because that helps you really understand everything under the sun of what's happening. And ultimately, okay. like, a lot of, like a lot of metrics, win rate becomes powerful if you establish a definition and stay consistent with that definition over time. You can fiddle around and look at different ways to, to cut your win rate, um, but if you're always changing it, um, it, do, it doesn't help you get better. So most companies need to worry less about you know, what's in the numerator and denominator and come up with a, a, you know, a more simple and straightforward definition that they can right. commit to and then track right. over time and drive change for their business. And if they start to feel like, hey, there's things creeping into the numerator here that I don't like because I don't think they're real deals, well, they were created as opportunities. So don't change your calculation of win rate. Change your business. Go and change yeah. the, the approach in your sales team to not generate opportunities for things that aren't really sales opportunities. So we prefer our clients to uh, simplify and be consistent and, and then you know, address the edge cases by taking, making business changes that matter. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a simple you know, definition of win rate. I, I, what always astonishes me is how little attention is paid to it mm-hmm. in general yeah. <laughs> in many yeah. industries. And it's like, well, this is just what we do, and we're just going to do more of this. This is how we grow. And it's like, <laughs> don't we want to do less of it and do more of it better? <laughs> that seems like a much more effective way to go about this. Such a missed opportunity. Like so many, you know, we've talked about SaaS companies in particular. A lot of SaaS companies are growing very, very quickly. And the answers they come up with for accelerating growth is just funneling more into the pipeline. Whereas if you were just a little more deliberate about capturing more of what's in your pipeline, that could have as big, if not bigger, impact on your business performance. Oh, sure. It's, it's a more profitable, faster way to grow than, yeah. than just putting more crap into the top of the funnel. That's, yeah. a, that's and, a technical term, crap at the top of the funnel. But, yeah. 100%. Like, yeah, one way we think about that is just the, the concept of just go-to-market efficiency. You're investing a ton of money into your sales team, a ton of money into your marketing, a ton of money into your product development. What do you need to do to get more out of those investments? And the way you measure what you're getting out of those investments is your win rate. Like what is coming out the other side? And But the, one important part about it, Andy, is the win rate doesn't tell you what, what to go do. It just tells you what is happening, right? Yeah. You need to go understand why that's happening by going and engaging your buyers. And that's, that's kind of the magic is if you can figure out what's happening and be able to actually look in different pockets of your business and see where mm-hmm. how performance is going, then go couple that with feedback from the buyers that are making the decisions that's driving that performance. Then you know how to go address the business. And you actually, because you understand your win rate and the pockets of your win rate, you know which actions are going to have the biggest uplift in your efficiency. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> it's... Uh, I was talking to CRO of a publicly traded SaaS company <laughs> about uh, their growth plans. And they said, well, you know, we've gotten really good at generating demand top of funnel. So, you know, we're going to invest more in that, drive more opportunities through, hire more SDRs, 
And I said, well, your win rate, because I had talked to the person's VP of sales. <laughs> I said, so your win rate's at uh, 19%. Yeah. I said, so instead of investing all the money top of the phone, have you ever thought about trying to win a greater percentage of the opportunities you have? And I just got this <laughs> blank stare. And I was like, <laughs> what in the world are you talking about? And it's like, <laughs> not, even, not even being considered. Yeah, you know, there's a uh, new book put out by the Franklin Covey people, Jennifer Colosimo, and some co authors called Strikingly Different Selling. And they had this stat in there. Uh, they did surveys more than 5,000 business to business decision makers. Average win rates were 17%. Yeah, totally. 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 17%. And it's funny, it's like, right? Because you think about this, you think about this, if, if the average win rate is 17%, and let's say the average pipeline size of each of those companies is, you know, a hundred million dollars. Right. And they, so they're only winning $17 million a year. If they just went and adjusted their win, their win rate by 1%, they would highly exceed their plan. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. No, this is, it's, it's, you don't win the championship by playing more games. You win the championship by winning more of the games you play. Right. And, and that's, that's the key here, right? Like the, yeah. the solution isn't creating more opportunities for every company. And the solution is, yeah, let's create more, more opportunities, more. but let's win the ones that we're getting. Like let's, let's. Yeah. yeah I think my perspective is maybe a little skewed because a lot of the startups that I ran sales for, we were resource constrained. <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of inbound lead flow. So yep. every time we had somebody that was qualified opportunity, that was precious. We were not going to lose that deal. And we're talking about big deals, you know, seven, yeah. eight-figure deals, sometimes even nine-figure deals. We got one. We were going to win it, right? And yeah. so that forced us to get really good at it as opposed to just being casual about it and thinking, oh, there's yeah. another one that's coming down the pike, right? I mean – Big believer in the theory of constraints and forcing you to become better. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you should constrain yourself by saying we need this type of win rate. And that should be something that you're compensated on as a sales leader. That should be part of your package is what's your win rate? Love it. Totally love it. Totally love it. Yeah, because it is the win rate. And this is a guy people sort of don't get this. This is the buyer's ultimate referendum on how good a job you did. Yep. Totally. If totally. you think it's about your product and your pricing, then you're missing the boat. It's their referendum exactly. on how well you did, your sales team did, or you as an individual. That's what your win rate is reflective of. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. So here, this is an interesting thing that we find too as we do this. You know, from a sales leader perspective, I can be a sales leader and I can feel like my team actually did run the gambit and they did a great job, and we still didn't get chosen. And we didn't get chosen because think there, there, there's some product gap that's fundamental for them. Like we didn't meet a certain requ- security requirement or whatever that happens to be. If I, as the sales leader, go to the product team and say, hey, you guys need to fix the product that has these gaps. As a sales leader, think, have you ever done that? And you feel like it's kind of an awkward conversation. Like I'm pointing my finger at you. Uh, there, there tends to almost be like a, you're blaming me cause you didn't hit your number type of experience huh. at times. Oh, for leaders. Yeah. 
One of the most powerful things about doing win-loss, not just from understanding the win rate, but getting the buyer feedback that supports the outcomes and, and explains the outcomes, is it empowers the organization with just absolute truth serum to go act. So it's no longer a... Well, the sales team's blaming the product team because and saying that we're missing features, and the product team's blaming the sales team saying that they suck and they don't know how to sell, and everybody's blaming pricing. It's, no, the buyers are saying this, and so we now all collectively, let's say I'm the head of sales and Andrew's the head of product, we don't have to sit here and debate about should we have demoed it differently or should we have, or is the product fundamentally missing something? We just know that that's the main reason, so we both need to get better. Yeah, but it works the other way, though, too, which is I think this is companies miss is that hopefully in the win-loss analysis, you find out those one or two things that actually you might have that are perceived of higher value or slightly different. And those then become one of the focal points of how you sell your product, right? Yeah, It's like, why would you consider buying this product that doesn't have this? Yeah, right. Win-loss uh, analysis, when done correctly, is how you confirm what your differentiators really are in the minds of your buyers. Right. Um, as, as members of your organization, your perspective can be very biased and skewed uh, about Guaranteed that what it buyers is. care about. And so right. it's, it's funny it's because funny when we engage with a lot of new customers, they initially are very, very excited to hear about the losses. Like that's <laughs> visceral. Like, Right. We want to know what went wrong when we lost. And here's a deal we really cared about. Can you guys make sure you prioritize this deal for feedback? Because it was a key logo or it was a big dollar amount or whatever. Over time, as we coach them, they come to realize that there's perhaps more power in the analysis of your wins because that is the playbook for how you succeed. And if you can take that and educate your sales team and educate your marketing team that these are the things that our buyers perceive as reasons why they should choose us. And you can double down on those strengths that oftentimes has a greater impact on your improvement to win rate than trying to chase and address the gaps on the deals that you've lost. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just practical application of, of of salesmanship and and business to say yeah what are things we do that we differentiate let's lean into those let's emphasize those let's make those so important to the buyer they wouldn't consider buying a product or service that didn't have those yeah. so that, that becomes a starting point yeah it's the reason why you need win loss as a system of record for your sales team like think about this think about all those sales reps across the world right now that are less than six months into their new job at their new company. Mm-hmm. And they're still trying to figure out like, what is the recipe for why people choose us? And, and they go on Slack or they go on whatever other tools and they're asking, Hey, who's come up against this competitor? Who sold this product to this type of, has anybody sold into healthcare? Has anybody sold into a bank or whatever? And they're just fumbling, trying to find any type of, tra- if has anybody seen any type of traction in the past, for how we were successful here, there should be a system of record from your business of why you were successful there. Right. And that's win loss. So it's, it's one of those things where if you're, if I'm a sales leader and I'm thinking, how can I ramp my people faster? 
one of the first things to do is to give them the actual recipe. Here are the types of deals that we are winning and this is why they're telling this is why the buyers are telling us they're choosing us. So go say and do and showcase these things. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. you find prospects that need those things. Start mm-hmm. that right. at the beginning, right? Yeah. And then, 100%, 100%, right? Yeah, I think if, like a factor in the genesis of closed in our experience at Qualtrics was at one point in time Qualtrics brought in, and I'm sure, Andy, you're familiar with these organizations like Challenger Sale or, frankly, mm-hmm. Covey mentioned. Um, in Qualtrics's case, it was force management. Um, right. was brought in externally to help develop a command of the message program for the sales organization. And um, the first thing that they did was pull all of us more tenured sales leaders off-site into a room to powwow about all the reasons why based on our experience, we think we win and lose deals. And that formed the basis of the messaging framework that was developed. And it was right. decent because there were experienced tenured people and they were extracting that tribal knowledge and, and developing a framework that could be trained upon. But some of us that were there who were very tenured, were kind of chuckling, like we're not the best source of this insight. <laughs> like, if, no. if force management wants to really develop the right answers and the right framework, they should be talking to our buyers and not just those that bought from us, but those that didn't buy from us and hearing from their perspective what happened. And that's that's the definition of win-loss analysis is, is capturing that perspective of those yeah. buyers and making it available to everyone in your organization to be smarter and, and act upon. Yeah, I mean, it's like, wow. Well, trying to think of an analogy it's, it's almost like as a seller you're the person who was in the car when the car crashed whereas if you're the buyer you're maybe the person on the street watching it crash um yeah yeah your experience is always gonna be different so talk about the buyer interviews you do so how many you know per account because especially you know we've got yeah, yeah x number yeah. of always a growing number of stakeholders in every decision how many of those do you interview what do the interviews consist of and so on yeah, great question. Great question. The first way to answer that is you can think about this. You can gather this feedback through multiple different forms. One is a survey. One is an interview, mm-hmm. right? Like a, a web-based survey. Think a good way to think about this is each company has a unique kind of fingerprint on their pipeline. You know, a mix of transactional versus big deals. You know, some of our clients, their average deal size are eight figures. Like we're going to interview every deal, right? Because an interview is a better mechanism for a large deal because that's a complex nuanced decision. Some of our clients have highly transactional deals, you know, $5,000 or less, and they have tens of thousands of them going through their pipeline. And it is, it is economically not feasible to go interview all those deals, let alone, um, does it make a ton of sense or is it necessary? Right? Because they're, they're simpler transactions. So the the first step we take in this with our clients is, Let's figure out what the right answer is for your your business. If you're highly transactional, you probably still want to use some interviews for pockets of your business, but let's cover more breadth of your pipeline using a survey. If you are highly strategic, large deals, then you're probably going to lean more towards the interview front. So first off, let's start with a diagnostic of like, how should we go engage these people? Once we do engage them, if we engage them through a interview, the key to a good win-loss interview is it is not a rigid survey conversation. Mm-hmm. It is not 
a conversation where you're asking scale-based questions. It is not a conversation where you are following a script. It is a conversation where you need to get off the – when you get off the phone, you need to be able to say very succinctly, why did this company do what they did? And so we we approach these. We work with our clients to figure out what are kind of the main topics that we should – that we want to be covering in these interviews. And we come up with sample questions of what we should be asking under those topics. But think those questions are always very open-ended. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, based depending upon the interview you do, you can spend a lot of time talking about product features and what they liked or didn't like. You can spend a ton of time talking about the sales experience. You can spend a ton of time about the challenges they had with um, understanding and feeling comfortable with the pricing model. Mm-hmm. And you can spend a ton of time talking about where they crushed it, where they were incredible, where they outperformed everybody else, how they did the best demo, they did the best they had the best RFP response. They had the best case studies, whatever it happens to be. But what you really want to do is you want to figure out what were the trigger points, and we call those decision drivers, that caused the buyer to choose you or not choose you. What, what were the things that influenced them in either direction, and to what extent did they influence? Mm-hmm. You asked the question about how many buyers. Oftentimes it's one buyer at, a, at an account that we'll interview. But on the bigger, most strategic deals, we'll interview multiple buyers. You know, yeah, we, we yeah. might interview somebody from the finance team, somebody from the business team. Um, it, it kind of depends on, on the client and the situation, and if we feel like we're getting the right level of coverage for our, to make sure we have a, a well well thought out holistic answer on those mm-hmm. bigger deals. Well, kind of from a macro perspective, Andy, we're we're seeing what we refer to as the win loss maturity curve play out for a lot of companies where they realize they have a gap in analyzing or understanding why they win and lose. And they sort of progress along this continuum from very basic inadequate attempts at win-loss analysis to a successful win-loss analysis program. Mm -hmm. Every company we talk to is somewhere along this continuum and it sort of progresses from initially like the anecdotal approach trying to get the sales team to tag a win-loss reason in the CRM, right. Um, right. pulling CRM data as the, as the foundation, but then they realize they need buyer feedback, and it turns into maybe like a, a sporadic initiative where someone from the organization talks to customers every once in a while, but they don't have a good mechanism for doing it consistently. They don't have a good mechanism for aggregating the feedback, tagging the decision drivers, sharing it out effective with the organization, so they run into some roadblocks as they try to do this internally. They realize they need a purpose-built solution like we did at Qualtrics. And then they look for a solution like Closed and maybe initially implement it on a limited basis for a portion of their business where they have big concerns about why they're winning and losing. Deals against a key competitor or right, right. deals in a certain segment or for a new product that they just launched that isn't gaining as much traction as they'd anticipated. And they... They capture this feedback on a limited basis for that part of the business before realizing the value proposition and maturing into what we'd consider like the right approach to win-loss analysis, which is, hey, we have a CRM integrated process where every deal that our sales team wins and loses enters this feedback process where the buyer is invited to give feedback. And if it's a small transactional deal, the closed platform will evaluate that and send them a survey invitation. 
if it's a more strategic deal from a certain product segment or that's over a certain dollar size, platform will, will, will recognize that and invite that buyer to participate in an interview. And then all of that feedback with all those decision drivers that are being captured flows back into the platform and is bounced against that win rate data so that you can start to paint a picture over time of what are the trends and themes behind why right. we're winning right. and losing and what can we go act upon. So in the scenario you painted out where the system says, oh, let's trigger an interview, who's doing the interview? Yeah, great question. There's, yeah. a, there's actually a huge value to having a third party do the interview for you. Um, oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Buyers, Absolutely. Buyers are, uh, are much more candid when talking to a third party. Um, right. And so a lot of our clients want us as the vendor to conduct those interviews for them. So for the majority of our clients, we do that. Um, we have some clients, though, that have uh, developed the, the capability internally. They built a team that can do these interviews, and they just leverage the closed technology and do the interviews themselves. But the vast majority of companies that, are, uh, that have really invested heavily in win-loss analysis are having a third party represent them in conducting the interviews. Mm-hmm. There's, there's benefits to having um, the third party in that people will be more candid. They actually oftentimes are more likely to participate. Yeah, I would think so. And, and most importantly, I, I would argue, it's harder for the company to push back against the feedback when it's an independent kind of ombudsman third party that conducts it. Um, yeah. So who – who? I was going to ask that. So who is the um, – Who's the blocker internally when someone says we should be doing win-loss analysis? Who's the blocker? Yeah, love this question. There's, yeah, it's an interesting thing because it's an emerging practice, right? To that, to that maturity curve yeah. that Andrew just sure. described. It, it, the biggest blocker that we find is it's a new thing, right? It's like I, I don't have a, bu- a budgeted line item to go do this. Let's maybe try and do it internally, and then they go through that process of fumbling a little bit. That there tends to, you know, sometimes sales can be a blocker, and and that's more when the sales team, frankly, doesn't have a very healthy culture about wanting to watch game film and see why they win and lose. Right. They don't want to be exposed. Uh, I'd clarify: it's if if sales is a blocker, it's typically the individual contributors that may be a little wary of feedback being captured for all of the deals right. that that they've especially lost. You know, right? So, right. Instance, where clients have launched a program and maybe the, the, the sponsor of the program is outside the sales organization and the sales team has reacted with, hey, what are you doing? We own these relationships. I'm the rep. I'm the account manager for Microsoft and you reached out to them without my permission. I own the account and it takes you know someone in sales leadership or an executive right. to say, no, we as the company own this relationship. Yeah, steward currently of this relationship, but right. we as a company collectively need this insight, and they they come in with the veto power to say no. But we find that the really introspective, self aware, ambitious reps that want to hit quota and get better at their craft love win loss analysis. Yeah, they love the idea of like, wait, I just. I just lost this deal. I am so angry about it because I did everything that I thought was within my power to win this deal. And we lost. And I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I want to find out what the hell happened so that I can do better or so I can get my organization to do better so that we don't lose a deal like this to that competitor ever again. 
And so it's, it's on the rare occasion that a, you know, a sales team might react as a blocker, but yeah. they do have that tendency from time to time. Yeah. yeah, and I think, too, the other thing you get, though, is, is that, you know, sellers have to learn that if they're paying close attention, A, they should know they're going to lose for the most part, and B, they should probably have a pretty good reason, <laughs> have a pretty good handle on the reason why before the decision is made. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so the, that's, my, the, I, that's my experience. So, I mean, like. There are occasions, I've had occasions in my career where I'm completely blindsided by a loss that I thought for sure I was going to win. Mm-hmm. But in most cases, yeah, yeah. If I'm going to lose, if I was going to lose a deal, I sort of knew it beforehand. Totally. Yeah, yeah. like a smart, capable rep that's communicated well with the customer usually yeah. Yeah. comes away looking at the feedback from the buyer like, yeah, this aligns with what I thought. Maybe I learned a little a thing or two, but for the most part, big picture it aligned. But a lot yeah. of reps... Yeah don't fit in that category of being yeah. that capable or having that level of communication skill uh, to harvest that themselves from the buyer. Yeah. And there are a lot. There was one study in particular that was done. There's a, there's a sales, sales book from a long time ago called From a Good Sales Call to a Great Sales Call. Mm-hmm. They did a comparative study comparing um, what the buyer said versus what the sales rep said were the primary reasons why they made the decision that they made. Yeah. And 32% of the time, the sales reps were completely wrong, like mm-hmm. no alignment in the explanation they gave. 28% of the time, they were missing key information. Right. Um, so, you know, less than 40% of the time were the sales reps accurate about or why the even, even in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a challenge. But I mean, it's, it is, I think, one of the things that sellers have to, it's, Something to write about the book is you have to just be more self-aware and more intentional. Totally, hundred percent. And sales reps tend to, they tend to get focused on themselves and their deals, and so sometimes we just yeah. remind them, yeah. like, hey, you know, there's going to be instances where your deals are analyzed, but the big hit picture here is your company is being proactive to better understand why the company wins and loses, and right, that's going to benefit you. Like if yeah, the company yeah, realizes absolutely. that, yeah, the pricing model is suboptimal or there is a gaping gap in the product, they're going to now be able to address that and fix that and make your job easier and help your win yeah. rates improve. So it's not a witch yeah. hunt to figure out which yeah. sales reps are doing a poor job. It's a strategic exercise well, to figure well. out as a company, what can we do better to improve yeah, and and the fact that is, sales uh, reps' lives easier. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I was just saying, as you're, <laughs> it's, they can't. It's hard to be more defensive, you know, getting a loss analysis if you've already lost the deal. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. Out of the barn on that. It's like, uh, yeah. One of the core use cases that we see for our platform is sales leaders using the feedback that they get to coach their reps, right? And, and help them see yeah, like, Hey, sure. watch out for this, watch out for that. Like, and, and so there's, there's real power in it, but definitely, you know, there's no reason for you to be upset learning that you lost, you know, you already right. know that you lost. So, so yeah. let's go address this in an effective yeah. adult exactly. way. Exactly. All right. Well, guys, great to have you on the show. Run out of time here. Um, what's the best way to learn more about closed and to connect with you guys? Yeah, man, we love talking to sales leaders. We love talking to folks about this. So you can all, all, obviously we have tons of resources for leaders. You can go to close.com, CLOs, 
C-L-O-Z-D.com. Um, and there's tons of content there. But honestly, you're welcome to reach out to either of us, Spencer at Closed.com, Andrew at Closed.com. Um, you know, we have a big sales team that could – we're happy to have you talk to one of our great account executives about what we do. But mm-hmm. honestly, as practitioners of this and as people in, in roles, this is a new – it's a new thing, right? A lot of companies are doing this for the first time. So we're happy to be a resource to people as they're as they're trying to figure out the right way to approach it for their business and make sure that they – they do it the right way. So feel free to reach out anytime. All right. Yeah, we're happy to connect. Perfect. Thank you guys. Thanks Thank so much, you. Andy. Appreciate it was a great it, conversation. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate all you do, man. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I am so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guests, Andrew Peterson and Spencer Dent, for sharing their insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Good selling, everyone.